Hey everyone, welcome back to the Business Hawks podcast, a podcast about business, self-improvement, and economic issues. Today we're here with Jaron Kiviat, who is the founder of the largest Mets fan page on Instagram. So hope you enjoy. Yeah, Eric, thank you so much for having me on. So yeah, as you just said, I happen to run the largest New York Mets fan page on Instagram. You can find it at NYM underscore news. It has over 77,000 followers. I've been building it up uh, since 2014. So it has been uh, quite a long process for me. It definitely didn't happen overnight. And yeah, I'm looking forward to starting, you know, the 2021 season coming up pretty soon now. So, oh, you started in 2014? Yeah, I was, and this is crazy to think about, but I was in seventh grade at the time. And now I'm a college student. So, you know, it's pretty crazy how much has changed since then. But yeah, at the time I started the account, it was right before the 2015 World Series run, a year before that. And yeah, I was only like, I think I was like, I might have been 12 years old. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was 12 years old when I started it, <laughs> which is insane. But yeah, I started. That's like dedication. It is. It's a ton of dedication. Um, I'll, and I'll, we could get into this later, but I was also disabled by Instagram twice in that span. So, you know, I have had to kind of deal through everything uh on my time at instagram so far but yeah i mean it's been a long journey i've i I can't say i've loved every single second of it because as i've said there have been some like really frustrating things that have happened over the course of that seven year time period but for the most part i've i've really loved it so yeah man i'm just really happy really excited to start the 2020 season nice so were you like when you started the fan page were you trying to grow up from the very beginning or like, was it kind of just like a hobby that you were pursuing? Yeah. So when I initially started it, it was definitely more of a hobby. Um, so what happened was I was looking for pages to follow as a fan just to keep up with the team on Instagram because I just downloaded Instagram. I mean, this is back in 2014. So I was pretty new to Instagram. I only had an Instagram for like about a year. I think I got it like 2013 or 2012. So Instagram was all pretty new, you know? And I was looking for a page to follow and I couldn't find a single decent Mets page at that, at that time. So I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to start my own thing and see how it goes. And I started it pretty much as a hobby, but I, I started noticing the growth like right away and definitely didn't like come right away. But like about a month or so into it, I got a thousand followers. And by opening day 2015, about a year into it, I was at 5,000 followers. So at that point I was like, Hey, there's real potential here. I'm only 15 years old. I'm still a few, a few years away from college applications and whatnot. So why not keep on pushing this and building it and see what, what could happen? And playthrough happened, of course. Mets made the World Series, and the account grew from 5,000 followers in opening day of 2015 to 35,000 followers a year later in 2016. So over the course of that entire se- that entire year between 2015 season, the postseason, and the following offseason, the account literally grew 30,000 followers. It was absolutely insane. But, yeah, I mean – when I started, it was definitely um, a hobby initially. I know you were saying that you couldn't find a decent um, Mets fan account. So what do you feel like your, you added to your Mets fan account that made it? Yeah. Such a thing? Uh, so I feel like a lot of the pages were just kind of like kiss-ups to the Mets. They'd be like, oh, well, here's the Mets lineup, and here's, the, here's what happened, and let's go Mets. Like it wasn't really like – they weren't really being um, – First of all, they weren't being fully transparent on the team. They weren't giving their full thoughts. And real Mets fans aren't that positive all the time, especially back in 2014. That wasn't our best season. We only won 79 games that season. And the Mets were owned by the Wilpons, especially at that time. That was like 
the Wilpons at their worst. So, I mean, I just, I guess I added just like a sort of flair and I wasn't really never afraid of controversy and I was never really afraid to be polarizing or controversial at all. And I was, I always voiced my opinion, whether it was positive or negative. And that was kind of the outlook I always had on it. I guess from a content standpoint, I got, I mean, when I first started, the graphics weren't that great. But as I got bigger and as I got more of a following, I started really improving the graphics, the video edits, all that. Got a legitimate logo, graphic designers, video editors, like a whole team of people helping. And, you know, by the time I was really into it, 2015, 2016, it was really looking like a professional account, almost as if it was ran by an official organization or the team itself. So, yeah, I think I think at that point, once I really, like, figured things out, year two, year three into it, people, I guess, just assumed that, like, I was the Mets guy on Instagram. This worked out. So did you have, like... I know you, you just mentioned that your page went from 5,000 to 30,000 followers in like a year. Yeah. So did you have an achievement that was like even earlier than that? Like what was your like first biggest post? Like your first post that kind of blew up and was kind of an outlier to all the other posts, I guess. Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. It could have been like when Jacob DeGrom won rookie of the year that season in 2014. Um. That could have been it. I remember there was someone, it sucks, is like, I can't say I remember someone died, but then not even remember who died. But I remember like someone died in MLB and I made a big post about it. And he, he may have been a former Met. And I, um, I remember that post, like, I think that was like the first time I hit like a thousand likes. Um, but I mean, there wasn't like a specific post that just, you know, went viral and got me like 5,000 followers overnight. It was more just like the Mets doing really well and just me being consistently on it on Instagram. It's like high volume, high quality. Yeah, high quality, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. So, like, what kind of, like, how did you create your graphics when you first started? Because I know a lot of people, like, they want to start posting a lot, like we, we just said high volume, high quantity, but, or a high quality, but they don't really know how to achieve the quality aspect of it. Yeah. So, to be honest with you guys, I'm pretty bad when it comes to graphic designing and video editing and all that. But when I was doing it myself, I was on Fonto. Fonto is actually a pretty solid app. You could do a lot of stuff on Fonto, on Fonto. So I was using Fonto a lot. If you don't know, it's like an app where you could edit pictures. You could add like cool text. You could add logos. I mean, you could do a lot of different things on it. And I remember I would use Fonto for all the lineups. I would like literally type out the lineups and like all the game information. I'll do that for the lineups and the pitching matchups. And even in, even the recaps too, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that was this was like five six years ago now. But yeah, I, when I first started, I, I was using Fonto. That was one of the apps I use a lot. Um, when you first started, how many hours a day would you put into it, or just how much how much time would you put into um this account? So I remember I would literally just grind on it. I would what I did. And this is. I don't do this anymore, but what I used to do is I would, like, follow and unfollow Mets fans when I wasn't really on, on the radar. This is, like, when I first started, just to get me on my feet, you know? And it actually worked because I would – I'd be getting, like, probably like at least 100 followers a day by doing this, just following and unfollowing Mets fans. I wouldn't recommend that now because I think Instagram's kind of on top of that, at least. Like, I know people have tried that, like, and their accounts have been, like, temporarily – yeah, they're banning a lot. Yeah, you got to be very and – I, and I, listen, I've been disabled twice, so I'm definitely not the person to, like, test Instagram. But, yeah, when I first started, three months. I would do that a lot. Yeah. 
and I would say I was putting in a few hours each day between that, the post, the research. It was definitely at least like three, four hours a day. Like at least I don't know if I was on, on Instagram directly in those three, four hours, but at least like I was putting my attention either towards the Mets, Instagram or growing the page. Where do you get your news from? So I get my news from like a wide variety of different sources. I do use Twitter a lot. I follow all the Mets beat writers. Um, I get the Bleach Report notifications as well. ESPN, MLB, AdBat app. I use a bunch of different things, really. It's like in terms of my actual content, if I see anything that like kind of like sticks out to me. And, you know, I, I guess through the experience of doing it, I kind of know like what people would be interested in, at least like what's deserving of a post. So, yeah, if something sticks out to me, then I'll get a post ready for it. Or obviously, if it's breaking news, I only have a choice. I'm going to make a post on it. So, yeah. That's what if, it, if it's breaking news, how long would it take you to make a post? I feel like wouldn't you, like, you'd have to get that post out like quickly, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. So, it's actually kind of frustrating sometimes because, you know, sometimes I really like want to get like a cool graphic out. But, you know, the, the better a graphic is, the more time it's going to generally take. So I guess with breaking news, like, I don't even really care. Sometimes I don't even really care about the graphic. I just want to get the news out. So sometimes I, like, literally just grab the tweet. I'll put the tweet over a picture of a player. Or I'll grab, like, the notification. Or I do have, like, a, a – it's called a PSD. It's a Photoshop document. So basically it's, like, a template, and you can just easily change the template. And it only takes about five, ten minutes. So I'll use that. I have, like, a whole – I have, like, a whole bunch of different news templates I use. And that's what you that's what I do now for the – um like, sorry – um, I, that's what I do now for the regular season graphics. Um, I have like a whole template of um, like lineups, like the pregame stuff, lineups, pitching matchups, and recaps. And those only take about five minutes to adjust. You just have to change the score, like the team logos and the picture that you're using. But yeah, that saves a lot of time and it's really clean and easy to fix. So yeah, I do use that a lot for breaking news as well. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, when you do have breaking news, how fast do you have to carry everything out? Yeah, so honestly, I'm on the West Coast, so there have definitely been times where like I'll literally wake up to breaking news. I'll be like, oh my God, I got to get out of bed. I got to get this post up. Like, oh my God, what am I doing? Um, and that's what kind of sucks about being three hours behind the East Coast. Because, I mean, there have been so even like the Taiwan Walker signing recently, I literally woke up like three hours after it happened. Because I think I think they announced it happened like 8 a.m. Eastern time. That was 5 a.m. my time. There's no chance I'm up for that. So I didn't even get the post out until like 11. Uh, I, I was probably like 10 or 11 my time, which is at that point, it's afternoon New York time. So, yeah, um, sometimes I'm kind of late, honestly. And that's not because I'm lacking. I mean, sometimes just unfortunate timing. Um, so, yeah, I, I do. If I am on my phone, though, and I am available, the second breaking news happens, I'm, I'm on it. I'm writing. I got to write a caption for it. And that's another thing. Like, a lot of pages on Instagram, when it comes to, like, news and how they make their posts, they don't really, like, say anything beyond, like, the news. Like, like for example, if the Mets signed someone, they'd be like, the Mets have signed Taiwan Walker. And, like, that's all the caption would be. That's all the post would be. What I like to do is I like to go in depth. I like to go in detail. I want to, like, say, like, why they signed him, how much they signed him, like, what he's supposed to do next season what he was like last season, injuries. Like I really go into everything because I want people to actually understand like what's going on when they're reading the caption. So that'll take me a little while too to just get all the research compiled up to write everything out and to get the graphic on top of that. So 
that's why sometimes it takes me a little little while little little longer i mean i've always kind of had like a quality over quantity approach approach on my page like i'd rather make less posts a day if those posts that i make are going to be more quality that's just the way i've always gone about it i know other pages do different things that's just what i do though right and i know you were saying that um you add a little bit of spice with the controversy on your page. Yeah. Is that, is that something that you um, kind of put in your breaking news posts also? Um, honestly, with the breaking news, I usually just stick to the news and like what's going on because when something first happens, I mean, people like to hear my opinions, obviously. Like when a news, when a story mm-hmm. first breaks out, people like want to know like what's actually going on. So usually I'll just stick to the news. And then once it seeps in a little bit, then I'll, I'll like, post my thoughts and my analysis and my take on it and that can be controversial depending on the topic so yeah i would say when when a story first breaks out i try to just like stick to the news and like leave my opinion out of it but yeah i'll 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 definitely give it some time to settle in and then then i'll you know be me whether that's controversial or just getting right to the point so Uh yeah i think that's really cool though how like besides like what you just said like besides having just like they signed this player like, how you have all the information. I feel like that's, like, actually really interesting. I feel like that's a quality that definitely adds a lot to your page because people don't have to go multiple places. Like, your page, like, as a news page, is accomplishing what it's, you know, like, like the like what it's supposed to accomplish in the best way that it could by putting all the other information on there, like how much they signed him for previous injuries. And I feel like it helps out somebody who's, like, not as active, like, with Mets news or just, like, news in general. I feel like that's that's really uh, that's really interesting. Yeah, and that's the whole idea of my page. Um, because you guys asked me earlier, like what like what separates me from the rest, or like what what was I doing differently? I really like what I wanted to do is I wanted to combine the social media aspects when it comes to like flashy graphic designs and like cool videos and interaction with the fans and all that. But I wanted to combine that with like actual journalism, like actually covering the Mets with like decent writing abilities and knowledge and analysis. So. I really just combine those two things because people don't realize that like I actually am a writer. Like I was a sports editor of my high school newspaper. My dad was a producer, like writings in my blood. I've always loved writing. I was actually like this close to majoring in sports communications or sports journalism instead of sports management. And I got into some really good um, sports journalism schools as well. So I am a writer at heart and I, I, I genuinely do love enjoy writing. I've always just had like a natural ability to write. So, yeah, I mean, I love going into detail and covering everything journalistic, journalistically. And quite frankly, I think a lot, a lot of the journalism today is lacking for sure. So I kind of just, I guess, capitalize on the fact that journalism's a bit of a struggle. And when I started the page, there wasn't really a page that was covering the team from like a blog standpoint and also having all the cool social media stuff like the graphic designs and the video editing and the interaction with the fans and all that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about like what if certain posts like are your posts pretty consistent across like how well they do or like what if certain posts don't do as well? How would you yeah, react? So honestly my um my advertisement posts never do as well. People I mean people still see it but they don't get nearly as many views or likes or interaction or feedback as like a normal post will do. I noticed that like a lot of the quote posts I make, like when I when I quote a player, like saying something like really interesting or really cool or inspiring or even controversial, those posts will definitely get a lot more um, interaction. Now, what I what I will say that might interest you guys is that it might surprise you guys, I should say, 
is I've always cared more about comments than anything else. I've cared more about comments than likes and followers, all that. Because what I really like is I want to make sure people are reading what I'm saying and that they're talking about it, they're interested in, that they're interested in it. So if you notice, like a lot of, I mean, my when it comes to like my page, I've always had tons of comments and I love that. And um, I, I really like try to post anything that'll get people engaged with, with, the, with the content. That's like really the main goal about when I make a post. So, yeah. Hmm. Do you have a posting schedule? No, I do not actually. Well, I mean, during the season, yes. Um, The lineup will come out about three hours before the game. Um, I'll try to get the posts. Sometimes the lineup posts come out like minutes before the game. Sometimes they come out a few hours. Just depends on what I'm doing that day. But I try to get it out within three, like three hours within game, within within a few hours before game time. If I have to post it before game time, it is what it is. But yeah, ideally, I try to get it out about two hours before game time, and I get the lineup and I get the I get the pitching matchup as well. And then after the game, I get the post game right out, right out, right as the game concludes. Um, and but that's during the regular season. During the off season, really, like I kind of just play it by day. I just see what's going on that day, see what I have in mind. Um. There are times where I'll come up with like a really cool post idea, like late at night, and I'll just immediately get it, get on it, and I'll get the graphic ready for it. I'll just post it a few days later. A lot of my opinion posts are like that. Where, for example, I made like that post about um, the other day. I made, a, I made a post about like why the Mets are set at catcher for the next decade between James McCann and Francisco Alvarez. I had that post planned out for a few days. I had the graphic ready, and, and I had like the whole caption written out. I just um, decided to post it when it was like a slow news day. So. Yeah, I have posts like that where it's like they're interesting and they're informative, but it's not really breaking news. It's more like my opinion. And I save those types of posts for like slow news days, I guess. Do you watch every game? Yeah, I try to watch every game for sure. I mean, I have my own life and I have my own stuff going on, so I can't watch every single game, but I do try to prioritize watching as many as I can. I would say, you know, out of 162 games, I'll definitely watch at least like 140 live um, you know, and there's a handful that I have to miss, but I try to watch every single game. Yeah. yeah. So just trying to like making sure that you stay consistent with all the aspects, even like uh, if it like if it's not necessarily Instagram related, even yeah, just staying consistent with like updates and things like that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the whole nine yards. It's not even just about the updates. It's actually knowing what you're talking about and mm-hmm. getting the references during the game. Because people say, say stuff like, oh, did, did you see like what Gary Cohen was saying during the game? Like, I'll get a lot of people DMing stuff like that like during a game when the broadcasting crew is talking about something. So I really have to be on top of it. And this goes beyond baseball fields. This goes from like a business sense and marketing sense. Like, there is a lot that goes into the, the whole dynamic of running a major like me- sports media page, especially in a market like New York. So, I mean, yeah, I, I got to be pretty much on top of everything, especially if I'm competing in terms of, like, follower count and eyeballs, if I'm competing with places like ESPN, the New York Post, the Mets themselves, SNY. I mean, it, it is crazy to think about, but it, it is on that level in terms of, like, eyeballs and people actually viewing the content. So, yeah, I mean, I take it very seriously, and I try to go about it as professionally as I can. What What kind of – uh, opportunities have you gotten because of the page that you started, like the following that you had? Yeah, so I've actually gotten like a lot of really cool opportunities. Um, for one, I mean, when I was only 
like 15 years old, I was able to interview Jesse Orozco, who was the Mets closer in 1986. He actually recorded the final out of that World Series with the famous picture of like his arms going up in the air after um, they won it. I got I got to interview him in 2015 because um, his son was like a huge fan of my page and he wanted me to promote his new app. At the time, I wasn't really as interested in money. So I was like, hey, how about instead of you paying me to promote this, how about you come down here for an interview? And he was like, oh, my God, I'll, we would love to do that. So, yeah, I was able to interview Jesse Orozco when I was like just 15 years old. That was really cool. Um, I've been able to meet so many different players. Um, I was at the David Wright, David Wright's final game when I flew across. That's a whole different story. But when I was at David Wright's final game, um, Saul Katz, who was the Mets owner at the time, along with the Wilpons, his grandson went up to me because he's a huge Mets fan, and he actually invited me into the suite to watch the game with him, his family. I was able to meet David Wright, David Wright's family, Jose Reyes, and his family. Like, I mean, it was just a surreal night. So, yeah, there have been many cool opportunities from a business standpoint. I've been able to get cool sponsorships with uh, places like SeatGeek. That was very successful for me back in the summer of 2019. Obviously, I couldn't do that last year because there weren't any any fans in attendance. And this year, I'm not really sure like what the status is on that yet. Hopefully, they'll bring it back in some capacity, but it probably won't be back to normal until next year. Um, and I was able to get like a cool sponsorship with another um, app. This was an app last year called um, Flick, which is like a sports chat room. So I was able to build up like this Mets chat where we'd all talk during the games. I was able to add like polls, quizzes, all that type of stuff. Um, and this year, I have, a, I have a new sponsorship with a. It's kind of similar to relevant. Uh, kind of similar to Flick. This one's called Relevant. You could do the chat room stuff too, but they also have merchandise that you could buy within the app because they have a um, partnership with Fanatics. So you could buy all this, like, all this like licensed Mets merchandise and autographs and memorabilia, all that. Um, you could also do live podcasting too. So yeah, it's kind of like a little bit like Flick, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to starting that up this season. And yeah, I mean, so many opportunities, networking, oppor- networking opportunities, marketing opportunities, business opportunities, just meeting people. I mean, it's led me to so much. Literally led me to the college I'm at right now because the scholarship they gave me uh, with sports management due to my success on social media. So, I mean, yeah, and this is only the beginning for me. I'm trying to break into the MLB industry. So who knows what else it's going to lead me to down the line. How do I'm just curious about this? I see this all the time on like YouTube. Also, how do sponsors like SeatGeek uh, like reach out to you? Yeah, so they actually like DM'd me, um, and they were like, "Hey, um, we have this affiliate program. If you'd be interested in joining, um, fill out this like form, and we'll see if we want to accept you or if you're qualified. And if you are, we'd love to like work something out." So I did, and it was pretty simple, really. Like you get a code, and every time someone uses your code, you get ten dollars so the code saves you twenty dollars ten dollars goes to SeatGeek, but you get ten and that doesn't sound like a, like a lot but over time and when you get like hundreds or thousands of people to, to use that code you can make thousands of dollars and i'm sure the youtubers like david dobrik who are doing it are making like millions so yeah um it's legitimate money it's, it's a it's a pretty great sponsorship especially for a sports page yeah because i saw that um I, th- I think you were interviewed by some other guy, like Buzzer Beater Sports, mm-hmm. I think. That's actually how I got this idea. But um, I, I think he has, like, a paid partnership with Manscaped. Or yeah, I, I saw that. They, they, I think they sponsor his um, podcast, I'm pretty sure. I don't even know. That is yeah, pretty that's... funny, though, Manscaped, yeah. Uh... <laughs> that's kind of uh... 
That's an interest. That's an interesting like sponsor for a sports podcast. It really is. That's funny. Wait, so are you? I don't want to go into depth of like what it is, but you know. Wait, you you don't know what Manscaped is? I do, but like I don't know if it's appropriate to say on the podcast. Oh well, I mean, I I guess I just. (laughs) I I don't even I don't even use Manscaped. They're just uh, Manscaped is like you know I think. It's like a, you don't need like to explain product. it. Everybody knows what Manscaped is. Yeah, man, I don't okay. know. It's like a pube product or shaving thing or something. Yeah. yeah. Wait, I, are you still sponsored by SeatGeek? So right now, the sponsorship is on pause. I'm not like not sponsored by them. It's just I don't really know what the status is on that for okay. this year at least. I could always reach out to them and see what's going on. But as I said, I have other sponsorships in, um, going on and I have other ones in the works. So that's not like you have to rely on SeatGeek. It would be nice because a lot of people love going to games, and it's definitely a uh, like a like a mutual beneficial relationship um, between me and SeatGeek. So yeah, I mean, I would love to get it back, but I, I just don't know. I don't really know the status with COVID and everything. So right if now. I like, let's say I wanted to go to a, like a Mets game, okay? If I went and used the code, like do you have like codes, like promo codes and things like that. Yeah. So what you would do is you would just when you're on SeatGeek. When you're filling out, you know the tickets, like getting the tickets, they have a spot where you can put your code. And once you put in code NYM underscore news, you get twenty dollars off. And really, what it does is it saves you all the added fees that they put on. Hmm. So, yeah, it's pretty helpful. You can only use it one time. What, what people will do is they'll just create a bunch of accounts. So they can use it every time they buy tickets on SeatGeek. So that's one thing you can do. But it is supposed to be for like a one time, like your first purchase. So if I were to use, like, if I were to use a code from a, a post of yours that was like older, would I like would it still work? If you try to use NY like code NYM news like right now, yeah. I mean, hey, there's only one, one way to find out. Go try to buy some tickets and <laughs> make me ten dollars. I mean, I, that's honestly a good question. I don't know. I'm pretty sure the code is still active, but yeah. don't quote me on that. Because like I, sometimes, because like sometimes I'll be watching like old YouTube videos. And there'll be like a sponsor for like like use this promo code and get like however much money off. And the video will be like two three years old. And I was like, huh, I wonder if this still works. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, some of them last for a while. Um, I'm not sure actually. That's a good question. It's worth a try. But if you do try try NYM try NYM news before you try like David Dobrik's or like whoever I else. Will. Whoever I got else you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. I know a decent amount of Mets fans too, so you know. Yeah, passing it around. Feel free. <laughs> you know, it's actually funny because um, I remember when, and this is like when I started like learning a lot about marketing and whatnot. One of the things that really led to more and more people using my Seeky code is what I would do is when people were at the games using my code, I would always repost it. Like people would post like at the game thanks to nym news for the seats like use code nym news or they'd be like thanks nym news or something like that and every time someone posts either on their instagram or their story i would repost it on my story and before you know it like each game there'd be like 30 people like posting on their story and it just kept on spreading and spreading and spreading on top of me posting it and so like it was cool because it's like yes it's on instagram but like me me doing this post on instagram led to that person like physically being at city field sitting at the match game like thanks in part thanks to me and like you know, my them using my code. So that was like really cool to see. And it gave me some firsthand like marketing experience, you know, like that was definitely a strategy I started implementing more after I saw the earliest success of it. 
Um, I know you're talking about how people DM you during the games before. Do you feel like that has helped you also grow your following? Like, interacting with um, your followers? Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people tell you that I interact with my followers more than, like, anyone else, especially for a page, like, of my size. It's obviously impossible to, le- to read, like, literally the thousands of DMs I get or that I have on open because there's so many. But I really do try to respond to as many as I can. Like, even this, like, you know, I open your DM I'm on this podcast now. Like, I love interacting with, like, with my followers, people who support me. And even just, like, young people in general who are trying to get, like, more into sports or the business world, all that. So, yeah, I've, I've always made the top priority. Um, interact with people because even beyond the fact it's just the right thing to do to stay humble and everything Um, really it's all about like the people you meet and networking and making more connections so yeah just talking to more people and getting more people aware of you and just being a normal person can only further help that so yeah I've always tried to be as interactive as I can age I mean it's pretty it's pretty crazy because even beyond like actually interacting with people on my page I meet people like I've there have been times where I've literally like stay with at people's houses like uh, in New York or in San Diego like um, or I'll meet up with them at a game or I'll pass around my Mets cards at games like there's a lot of stuff I've done and it's to the point now where even though I don't really like post my personal stuff or my face that much like I get pretty I get recognized at City Field pretty often when I'm there so um, that's pretty cool also so yeah. I love interacting with, with the fans. It's, it's amazing. It must be a pretty cool feeling, though, to get recognized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome, man. I mean, it's really cool connecting with people who, like, they live across the country. So, I mean, when you see the number on Instagram, it's like, wow, like 77,000, that's a lot. But you don't really, like, kind of grasp how big that number truly is until you're at a game and it's like every minute you're getting recognized or you got people like, yo, what's up, Jared? And, like, they seem to know, like, where you're, like, they're like, <laughs> Like, how's LA? Or, like, how's school in Boston? It's like, wow, these people, they're really on top of their stuff. Like, that's impressive. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a very loyal and passionate fan base. And I, I, I love meeting the fans. I, I really never get tired of it. In fact, whenever I go to games, and it might be a little different because of code and everything, but what I do is I bring a whole bag of NYMU's business cards, and I literally just pass it out to any Mets fan I see or any Mets fan who looks approachable. Or, or usually like around my age. I'll go up to some grown-ups too. But yeah, I'll just go up to them, hand them a card, tell them about my page, tell them about, about what I do. And about half the people these days who I, who I go up to like already either follow my account or they're aware of my account. So yeah, it's a little bit different. When I first started, like it was like back when I started doing that in like 2015, 2016, I got lots of followers at games just by doing that. And that's, that's, that's interacting with people. That's networking. So, yeah. I do them in person, too. I don't, I don't just do it on social media. How did you become a Mets fan? Because you live in L.A., though. Like, did you always live in L.A.? Yeah, that's going to be a question, too. Yeah, so my it's funny. My entire family is actually from New York. Um, my mom and dad, they both grew up on Long Island. Um, but they met here in L.A. because they were both in the Hollywood industry at the time. So, um, yeah, uh, I've always been a diehard Mets, Jets, and Knicks fan. I've been going to New York my entire life. Hey, there you go. My whole family lives there. Yeah, my grandma actually lives right by uh, – my grandma lives right next to City Field, only about five minutes from City Field. Um, my grandpa lives in Great Neck, which is only like 15, 20 minutes on, on, the Long Island Railroad, on the Long Island Railroad. So that's not far at all either. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been going to New York my entire life. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a New Yorker, but which I said in the last podcast. But I am not like 
the, I'm not like the typical Californian either in the sense that I have family all over the, all over New York and uh, I've been going there my entire life. And it's always been a dream of mine to like one day live there and hopefully work there in the sports industry or for the Mets or something. So, yeah, I mean, I've always loved New York. So do, do any of your posts like ever get copyrighted if it's like like game footage or something? Yeah, um some sometimes I'll use like videos in the vi- uh, oh, sorry, use videos. I'll use songs in the videos that'll get copyrighted. Um in terms of actual posts, like there've been some close calls but not really. Um I think I think one thing that actually got me in trouble back in 20 um or when I got disabled, it's not really confirmed but what I was doing is a lot of pa- a lot of Instagram pages were promoting this one page that like sold fake jerseys from China, like you know, like the like the the fake jerseys from China. It was one of those it was one of those websites, and I was promoting it because, quite frankly, I I use those websites to buy jerseys. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to spend two hundred bucks on a jersey when I can get one for like twenty twenty to forty dollars. Looks exactly the same. So yeah, I was promoting I was like promoting one of those. I'm pretty sure that's what got me disabled the first time in 2017. But I never really got it. I never really got that confirmed. Um, yeah, I mean, I there there have been times where I've been copyrighted, but for the most part, it's been pretty good. I know there's a um, the the biggest St. Louis Cardinals page, and he also covers the Blues as well. He his page is called at STL Sports Central. I remember like two or three years ago, the Cardinals like literally wrote him a letter warning him about the copyright infringement and all that, which is pretty crazy. Um, Luckily, it hasn't happened to me, but I know there have been pages that have, that have dealt with that firsthand. So, yeah. So you're able to monetize off of your content, right? Yeah, um, not directly, like not like YouTube, um, how they pay yeah. you directly like, on each video. But yeah, I'm able to make money off sponsorships, merchandise, which I'll be starting back up again soon, promotions, partnerships. I mean, you name it. There's a lot you could do. Wait, can you make money off of actual posts? Not yet. I heard it. I heard they might be doing. I heard that Facebook might be doing that soon, but as of right now, no, I can't. Because I, I, I've heard like a bunch of celebrities are like they make a ton of money off just like one Instagram post, which is like absurd. And I was wondering. Yeah, like, I know Kylie Jenner can make like up to a million dollars if she promotes something on her Instagram or something insane like that. Definitely at least six figures. Um, doesn't she have like 217 million? Yeah, yeah, she does. She does. So like 217 million people aren't viewing every single one of her posts, though. That's the thing. That's true. Regardless, though, it's still like millions of eyeballs. It'll be the equivalent to like, you know, getting something like live during a playoff game or the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a ton of people that put on their stories, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, her fan base, it's like, it's like a cult. Like they like worship her, her and the Kardashians. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That's. California royalty right there. It is. Yeah, I've never gotten like how companies like SeatGeek, how you know they're making all the money, you know, like for something like David Dobrik's vlogs or something. If they're giving him a whole car, so how do you think that like the sales they get takes into account all of that? Like, do they make? A yeah, profit? I think there's like different like prizes you can win, or different like levels you can get to depending on how much you sell. David Dobrik's obviously probably at the top of their list in terms of like generated revenue because of how much because of how big his following is but yeah hey i mean get me a mets lamborghini i would love that a blue and orange lambo like modded out and uh, <laughs> that's all i could ask for honestly <laughs> but um what was i gonna say 
Oh yeah, I was gonna say like see like what Eric said. SeaGeek is definitely making a profit off of that. Even though they're giving him like a whole like a really nice car too. Like every time, I feel like they have to be making a ton of money off of that just because like they're not gonna make like yeah less than like maybe a couple thousand. Oh they're- yeah, I would say like honestly, if I was making thousands in like the summer I was doing it, Dobrik probably made like millions. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. Don't quote me on that, but that's just that, that's just like what I would guess based on my experience and seeing how big his following is. And he get he gets so many views per like vlog, like when he used to vlog. True. He gets so many views, so so many people would see that. Yeah, I actually, and you asked me this earlier, um, Amani, like about who I've met, anyone famous. I actually did meet David Dobrik. Um, oh really? Yeah. Yeah, that's a funny story. So, I was flying like a red eye from LA to New York. This was summer of 2019, and. Uh, one of the girls who follows me, she's a huge Mets fan, but she's also a David Dobrik stan. And she literally hit me up and she was like, OMG, Jaren, you're flying to New York tonight, right? I was like, yeah, why? She's like, she's like, I think David Dobrik is going to be on your flight. I was like, what? I was like, come on, you're tripping. Like, no, no chance. And I kid you not, like two, three hours later, I, I walk onto the plane. First person I see is David Dobrik. And it was pretty cool. I got, I got a picture of him like holding my NYM news card talked to him for a few minutes told him the whole story he got like he got a kick out of it um but yeah like that was that was pretty cool yeah i, I was just reminded of david i was reminded of that story because we were talking about dobrik and you asked me that earlier that's yeah. nuts was he getting like recognized left and right who dobrik yeah honestly he wasn't i don't know i mean I, I think what it was is like there are people who noticed him but they didn't know if like it was like proper etiquette to go up to him like on a red eye flight like, hey, he's just trying to, like, do his own thing. But I went up to him, and I after, shortly after I went up to him, I saw a few others, like, start going up to him as well. So, I guess. Yo, isn't most of his audience yeah. younger, though? That's, that's true. Awesome. That's true, but, like, I don't know. He's so recognizable. Like, I feel like if you don't know who he is, you at least have to, like, know of him there. Yeah. That's Probably. a good point. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's nuts, though. Imagine, yeah. imagine being on that flight with, like, you and David Dobrik and not even knowing that, like, can you imagine that? Like, I would hate that if that was me. Like, being on there, not knowing there was like a celebrity on like my flight or something. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, I honestly like knowing knowing me. There's a chance I would have just like not even like noticed him, but because I got hit up like earlier that night, literally warned about David. Do- like, literally, someone tipped me. They're like, David Dobrik's gonna be on your flight. So I was actually looking for, him, and I, he was like the first person I saw. It was insane. But yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Was he with anybody, or was it just him? He was. He was with. Um, I don't really know like the whole setup he's got, but he was like with like his guy. Uh, he had like a like one of his guys like with blonde hair or something. Oh, is he like an older dude? I think so. I don't know. I don't really remember that vividly, but yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, it, it was pretty wild. Pretty wild. Wow. Yeah, I've also I've met a few other celebrities too, quite a few other ones actually. Did you Miranda, get for those? Miranda Cosgrove, Nav, oh. the Nelt Boys. Um, <laughs> Where'd you meet all? Of them? Yeah, so I actually met, I actually met um, Nav and Miranda Cosgrove at the same place, this local bowling alley. Well, I, I do live in like a, a part of LA where like all the celebrities are. I live in like Calabasas, so I was like, there's like this bowling alley here called Bolero. And for some reason, like, the celebrities apparently love going there because I met Miranda Cosgrove there. And she was really, really sweet. Gave Got a picture of her, of her holding up the card. And then um, Nav, the rapper, I tried to get him 
to take a picture with the Kobe. He's like, he's like, nah, man, I don't do that stuff. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, he's like, I don't do pictures. I don't do all that stuff. I think he thought like it was like affiliated with like with a gang or something. I was like, dude, like it's just the New York Mets. Like you have nothing to worry about. I know you're from Canada. You probably don't really like the Mets that much, but still, come on. Yeah. No, he, he didn't. He, I still had a selfie with him, but he he didn't feel comfortable with getting a picture with the card. But yeah, I've been able to meet like a ton of people just by being out in LA, I guess, or uh, maybe it's just luck or fate at this point. That's really nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I feel like an area. Like, I feel like the only other area that really do that is like Vegas too. I know Vegas. There's always like celebrities lurking around there. Vegas, Miami, New York. I feel like in New York they try to hide a little bit more, but they're out. They're out in New York. For sure. I feel like it's harder in New York because it's. I feel like it's There's so many people. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, there are places in LA where you where if you go, like you're almost guaranteed to meet a celebrity or at least encounter one, like Beverly Hills, Malibu, Calabasas. The Palisades, places like that, like I would say, you have a pretty good chance of like encountering a celebrity, even just going to Rodeo. So. Rodeo, yeah, I've been there before, but I mean, I uh, I didn't see any. I guess just my luck. I didn't see anybody. Yeah. I, I went to Vegas too one time on that same trip, and I didn't see anybody. But really, my parents did because they went a couple years before and they saw a lot of celebrities there. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Another cool thing is I, I remember I met, like, Kevin James and Adam Sandler at a Mets-Dodgers game. They were literally just sitting there, and I went up to them. You know, that, was, that was, like, when I was way younger. That was pretty cool, though. That's crazy. They're pretty, they're, pretty big Mets, they're pretty big Mets fans out here in L.A. That's so crazy, though. Like, yeah. Wow. Jerry Seinfeld follows my page. He actually liked one of my Instagram comments last night that I left on SNY's post. That, that must be nuts, dude. It is nuts. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I think about that. I'm like, whoa, like, Jerry Seinfeld follows, like, 200 something people on his Instagram feed and my posts are literally on Jerry Seinfeld's Instagram feed like when he's casually scrolling like in his like million dollar mansion or whatever he's doing you know he's seeing like the stuff I'm posting he's a huge Mets fan so yeah that's also a pretty cool feeling as well it was also crazy though like if you can get like courtside tickets you're guaranteed like especially like even like I'm talking about like if you go to a basketball game too you meet a lot of celebrities you get courtside tickets but I mean those are like really hard to get yeah, yeah, you're you're guaranteed to meet someone famous at a at a Lakers game if you get courtside, hundred percent. Like all, they're everybody, all the celebrities are always at like Lakers games or like Knicks games or like oh for sure. Even like like rappers, like whatever city they're from. I remember Quavo went to Quavo's like a Hawks fan. So he's at a Hawks game. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Quavo has like Hawks season tickets. Honestly, he might. Hey, if I was rich, I would definitely get like met season tickets or if the Knicks were good consistently I'll get Knicks season tickets but I can't support James Dolan so <laughs> we're getting a little bit better we are hey we're in the playoff picture right now so hopefully yeah. we can keep up he stays that way we're playing pretty well isn't this account getting you there though because like if you're making thousands of dollars off SeatGeek and you're you're you've grown from you know you're growing you said like something about going from like 5k to 35k yeah. or something like that so is is it getting me where so like you, season tickets or like? Yeah, because like you're you're experiencing so much growth, so you know that's probably going to result in like a lot. Oh more yeah, money no, I mean, hey, like it, it's definitely helping helping me in terms of making money and the monetary value of like everything I do on Instagram. And um, as I said before, I'm hoping to use this account to kind of break my way into the MLB industry. I have been talking to the Mets and various other MLB and minor league teams about getting a job, and I do have a lot of big visions and big intentions in mind once I get in. That's kind of like the hardest part, especially 
for someone my age in this COVID world we're living in right now um, is breaking your way in, getting your way in. But I know like once I get in, like honestly, sky's the limit. With all the stuff I've been able to do on my own, if I was able to get like the help of an organization behind me, I could do some like major things. So yeah, I would just love to like get into an organization, preferably the Mets, and then go from there. Have the Mets like contacted you or like DM'd you? So um, this, is, this is actually exclusive, by the way, what I'm about to tell you guys. I haven't really said this publicly, but um, back in September, um, I actually reached out to Steve Cohen. Um, and I told him all about me, um, like what I do, like, you know, what made me a Mets fan. Like, you know, me, pretty much like an overview of like everything I'm about, like with the page and everything. And he actually responded to me saying, you're a true Mets fan. And I love it. Like there has to be a spot in the, in the organization for someone like you. How old are you? So, yeah, I mean, we, me and Steve kind of like a little back and forth exchange on email back in September before we officially got the team. And then when he officially got the team back in, uh, in, in November, like a few months later, I reached out to him again. And the Mets put me in contact with someone from Human Resources. Um, and things didn't really go as smoothly from there. But I'm definitely on their radar. I mean, I applied for a sales job with the Mets. And they said I was too young for the position because I'm only a sophomore in college. And they're taking on juniors, which is a bit frustrating because I would love to work right now if I can. But I do understand that we are in some weird times. I mean, Steve Cohen probably hasn't even had the chance to like really evaluate any of like the um, like the sales departments or marketing or social media or communications or PR or anything to that degree because he's so busy like building the team as it is and then his own business with um, .72. So he has enough on his plate. But yeah, I mean, I, I have definitely been in contact with the Mets um it's it's a process you know I'm, I'm patient but i know i know eventually i'll get my opportunity so yeah we'll see what happens with that um just going back from before i just wanted to ask i was curious do you have any other famous people that follow you um famous people um there's a wrestler who follows me um kurt hawkins who is a wwe mm-hmm. There's an actor from Big from the Big Bang Theory, John Ross Bowie. That's a funny story. One of my friends actually like loves him. He loves the Big Bang Theory. And he literally was like, yo, you should like get this guy to follow you. And I literally just followed him one day. He followed me back and he became like an instant fan of my page to the point where he literally started buying my merchandise over the summer and like prom- and then promoting it on his Twitter. And I was like, whoa, this guy's awesome. Um, there are a lot of Mets who follow me. I mean, uh, Jose Reyes, Yoana Cespedes, Edgardo Alfonso, um, Paula Duca. Um, the top two, two top prospects, Ronnie Mauricio and Francisco Alvarez. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the players' families follow me as well. So I know they're, I know they're, they're definitely seeing the content. Um, and the Steve Cohen's entire family follows my page, like two of his daughters and his wife follow it. So that's so cool, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. cool. That's like surreal. It's, it, it also reminds me to be very careful about like what I put out there and, you yeah. know, the posts I make and everything. But yeah, you know, I, I take it very seriously. Just some of the people who follow me, it's like these are these are major people. So Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to disappoint. <laughs> How do you, know, you it's funny because um John Ross Bowie, he's from that Santa Claus movie. Oh really? Yeah. I didn't even know that. It's it's called like Santa Claus three or something. Whatever. It's a Disney really? movie, but that's, check uh, it out. that's really cool. <laughs> I didn't know I just knew that he was on the Big Bang Theory. I don't even also, I don't even really know that much about him besides the fact he's a huge Mets fan in LA and that he was on the Big Bang Theory. But hey, I definitely have to check that out now. Mm-hmm. I'll check it out. Santa Claus, Santa Claus Three, you said? 
Yeah, it's like a it's like a Disney movie, and it's just crazy because I remember watching it when I was little. Oh wow! Okay, I'll, I'll check that out. That's that's pretty cool. Oh, I, I had this question uh, written down, and I wanted to ask you, but I never really got to it. Uh, do you like how do you utilize like tags and hashtags to grow your uh like your page? I really don't even know how much it actually helps, but I've always used the hashtags Mets LGM or it was LGM over the last two years. The last three years, I've been using LFGM since Pete Alonso made it a thing back in 2019. <laughs> um, so yeah, I use Mets, LFGM, NYM, MLB. I don't go crazy with the hashtags. I know people have like the tags for likes that they use. They have like paragraphs of hashtags. I never really did that. Um, I've always tried to just do like Mets, LGM, NYM, something like that. Just a few, nothing crazy. I don't, I don't really know how much it helps. I imagine it help. I imagine it helps because like when people see Mets, I'm always like one of the top posts. So, can't hurt, right? Yeah. Always... Do you think it's helped more because of like the fact that you know you go to all these Mets games and then you you have like all these buckets of cards? That you yeah, I think the cards always. I think the cards actually really helps because it's one thing like meet someone on social media or like have them follow you, reach out to you via DM, but to actually get like that in person connection and interaction, it's like a whole different ball game. So. Whether it's meeting someone new or meeting like one of my longtime followers in person, just passing out those cards, it's awesome. It really is. I'm either putting someone new onto my page or my content and what I'm trying to do, or I'm literally just like talking with like a longtime supporter who I've never been able to meet before. So, yeah, it's always really cool being able to meet Mets fans at games. Also, how did your how did your like earliest posts start gaining some traction? Um, really, like, I would say it kind of had to do with the, the team. Like, when the Mets went on the run in 2015, my page just started gaining a lot more followers. I remember I hit, um, I remember I hit 10,000 followers back in July of 2015. On, on July 4th, actually, I was actually, I was at the Mets-Dodgers game in LA on July 4th in 2015 when I hit 10K. And back then, when you had a little, little 10K mark on your Instagram, it was like the biggest deal, so... Yeah, even now it's still a big deal. But yeah, I remember that like, like it was yesterday. Um, and then by the postseason, I was at twenty k plus. So the 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 growth and over that time period specifically was insane. I was getting like thousands of followers like each week. It's pretty crazy. No, that is crazy. I mean, was this ever your intention, or did you always think it was going to be something small? I mean, I didn't start the page for it to just be like a joke, you know. I, I definitely yeah, yeah. took it seriously to, when I when I first started it. But if you would have told me when I started it, like it would lead me to all the stuff it has led me to, like sponsorships, scholarships, famous people following it, getting recognized, seventy five thousand plus, you know, talking to the Mets owner himself, like it's insane. It really is. I can't even put it into words. Um, but. I guess at some point, maybe it's just destiny. It's like what I was meant to do. So I've just stuck to it because it just feels right. And it's just, it comes so natural to me. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Do you have a TikTok also that you like put content on or like a YouTube channel or something? I mean, I um, experimented with, I experimented with TikTok a little bit. I mean, like it's like one TikTok where it was like, what like Yankee fans like say the Mets fans. And that one, I mean, that got, I posted on my Instagram, we got like 20,000 views, but I'm not really a big TikTok guy. I, I feel like I should be more on it because it's just so big right now, but 
I, I just don't, I cannot stand the app, to be honest. So, <laughs> uh, I'm not really a TikTok guy, no. But you, if you want to find my old TikToks, you can find it at um, Depressed Mets Fan. That's my ad on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen at Depressed Knicks Fan on uh, on Instagram. That one's funny, too. Oh, there's a Depressed Knicks Fan? I'm going to definitely have to check that one. Yeah, out. that one's funny. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check it out for sure. So I'll check out Santa Claus 3 and Depressed Knicks Fan on Instagram. <laughs> Noted. Noted. <laughs> Uh, let's see. What other things that I wanted to add? Oh, yeah. How did you start, like, learning video editing, too? I saw some of your clips are really nice. Yeah, so, to be honest, like yeah, I said, you're like, like, I'm clips, really right? bad. So, I've, I have a really good creative eye. And, like, I have a knack for, like, knowing what people want to see and, like, knowing, like, what's good quality and, like, what people would like. So, I, I, I do direct the video editors, like, exactly how I want stuff. But I don't physically do it myself just because, like, I'm so – I've tried, right? I've, I've done stuff in the past. Uh, I'm just so bad at it, and some of these videos, like they're just so, like they're just so good at it, and it comes so natural to them. And they could, some that would take me like probably like, literally days, if not weeks, takes these guys only a few hours. So, yeah, I just, I, I have no problem with saying that I have a team of video editors and designers who help me out, which is fine because hey, if you look at like the Mets or ESPN or MLB, they uh, they all have a team of graphic design people and video editors helping them out. So there's no shame because I have enough stuff on my plate. So. I'm fine with like you know, at the end of the day, like time is money. So if they could save you time and improve the quality of your page, I'm definitely willing to invest some money into paying people to just make the page better and save make my life easier. So yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Anybody else have any other questions? I feel like uh, all my questions were answered. Yeah, I think he really it. I do not have any questions. Oh, nice. Thank you for being on here. Really appreciate it. We love the episode. Yeah, guys, I really appreciate you, yeah. um, you all having me on today. Um, you know, if you ever want me to come on again, I'd be happy to talk more about my experiences, like what I'm up to and things I've learned and all that. But yeah, I'm happy to, happy to come on. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, Eric, are you ending the recording?